This is the Man Up Podcast, the doctor's guide to men's health. Each week on our podcast, we interview the top specialists of the field on various topics in men's health. If you have questions that you are too afraid to ask, we have the answers. This week, our episode is titled Mind Matters, Understanding the Biopsychosocial Aspects of Sexual Health. I'm Dr. Kevin Chun. I'm joined as always with my co-host, Dr. Justin Dubin. Justin, how are things in Miami, man? It's good. It's nice and warm. Uh, how's LA? Is it warm? Uh, LA's warm during the day, kind of cold at night. It's kind of a change that I've had to get used to, you know, wearing, you know, jeans or sweats and a, and a sweater. So that's, that's a little bit of a change. I like a sweater. I like a good sweater, you know, yeah, but the, the, the nights in Miami during the winter are just fabulous though. Beautiful. Fabulous. Nothing yeah. like a Miami night. I was Absolutely. like walking around at night the other day. I was like, this just kicks ass. Like I forgot, like, you know, you're in <laughs> Chicago for, you're in Chicago. It's cold as shit at night. And you're like, oh damn, this is awesome. I forgot about it. Right, but, right. you know, by the way, I did want to compliment you. Your mustache is coming in. You see that? Look, it's I, I, I can grow facial hair, you know? I don't think anything I, in the middle, though. That's, that's what's no, interesting. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, I think I'm going to go to the mustache soon. But, you know, I'm bringing it up because obviously it is Movember. I think this is, you know, this is going to be our last episode for Movember. Yes, it is, yeah, I think. I believe so, yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's just a really good topic. We're going to be talking about, you know, the mental health aspect and the biopsychosocial aspect of, of sexual health. And we're bringing on our very, very good friend, Dr. Lisa Paz. She's currently, I think, the the number one uh, uh, guest for us right yeah, now. Yeah. We love having her on. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, you know, she's obviously, she's a marriage and sex therapist, private practice down in Miami. And this was a different episode, right, Kev? Why is this episode a little bit different from other ones we've done? Well, this this is going to be the first one that we that we air that we did live, which was I I, I mean, it was just awesome. Uh, you know, energy. I I don't even know how to describe it, but basically it was just a great conversation and we got to do it out of Dr. Lisa Paz's home, which is just absolutely beautiful. So we had a great set for the first oh, time yeah. <laughs> that we've ever had. Um <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, it was a different format and uh but I I, I think it's going to be, you know, I learned a lot and it was like really great conversation, right Justin? Oh yeah, and um especially for men's health November you know, a lot of it is the, you know, we talk about prostate cancer, testicular cancer, there's a mental health aspect. And, you know, we really delve into, you know, how your mental health, how your partner, how you think about your partner, how you perceive the, your, your engagement with your relationships um, really impacts so many aspects of it. Yeah, you know, it's important that I think we talked about it on some other episodes, but the way we approach sex or, you know, having issues, you know, erection issues is what's what's called a biopsychosocial model. And we talk a lot about that in our conversation, but, you know, there's a biological aspect that Justin and I are really good at helping you out with. Yeah. But there is the psychosocial aspect of it, the whole context of who you're having sex with, when you're having sex and as well as, you know, what's going on in your head. That's what we talk about, right, Justin? Yeah. And, and you know, we, we've talked about this before, but, you know, once there, there's a level of what stuff, like you said, that we can help, but there's other people out there that if, if, you know, we may not be the solution because it's maybe not the biological aspect, but more of the psychosocial, there's some really excellent people to talk to. Sex therapists like Dr. Paz, relationship therapists, you know, they are out there and I think they're vastly underused by Absolutely. men. Absolutely. And you know, 
yeah, you know, like, you know, even like through when we train, we train, I didn't know these resources, you know, and, you know, oh, when yeah, I learned right. about these resources, such as Dr. Paz, and then getting my patients to see her, and then seeing the success and everything on the other side, it's just amazing. So this is a fabulous resource to have. Yeah. And I think it goes back to this idea of November. You got to be comfortable with yourself and yep. understand that you can only get better if you ask for help, yep. you know, bottling this stuff up. And we talk about it in the episode, you know, you're not going to get any results. You're going to not, you're not going to help perform your sexual performance. You're not going to help your relationships, right. you know, understanding that it's okay to ask for help is huge. And that's one of the, why, one of the reasons why we're, we're airing this episode for November. Uh, for sure. But um, I think, I think we're pretty good. I think we should just re get right into it. Um, hopefully next time you, we record, I'll, maybe I'll have a mustache. <laughs> I mean, we got to get some pictures of us with a mustache. Absolutely. So. For sure. But um, uh, all right, let's do it. Kevin joy guys. And, and, and happy November. Um, and happy early Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Eat up. All right. Enjoy the episode. So we're back live with another one of these live episodes here at SMSNA. And uh, we are joined by our dear friend, Dr. Lisa Paz. And we're going to talk about something really great today. Right, Justin? Oh, yeah. I'm very excited. First off, this is Dr. Paz's house. It's beautiful, amazing. Beautiful. Beautiful house. Thank you for having us. We wish this was our set, but yeah, this is not. This is great. <laughs> Anytime you want. Anytime you want. Um, but yeah, we're really excited to have you on because we're going to be talking about, you know, the mental component of sexual health because, you know, a lot of things that we think about especially when we teach it, in order to get an erection, you need five things. You need good blood flow, you need good nerves, you need good hormone levels, usually testosterone. But the other two, you need to be aroused and you need to be in a good state of mind. And we often, as doctors, focus on the first three, but we don't talk about the bottom two. And I think for most people, especially younger guys, those bottom two are a big, big component. And they're important, they're important. But, so, you know, first off, let's have you introduce yourself. Yes. Guys, I am, brother. I'm so, I was going to say, I'm so excited to be here, but the truth is I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Here you go. to be here. Ah. We're excited to be here. Um, I'm Dr. Lisa Paz. I'm a marriage and sex therapist in Miami, Florida, and I treat all things for men, women, and the couple relative to sexuality and healthy relationships. And you know, I love every time we get to all get together and talk. Um, yes, this is, we have good stuff coming up today, uh, right? Yes. yes. I think it's really good stuff. And I think that a lot of people that we see have these issues and they, we try to get them to you. And, and obviously that's going to be a component we're going to talk about later on, but let's start it off. So, you know, I think that when I talk with guys a lot about this issue, one thing is I go back to the stand up quote that Robin Williams, rest in peace, had said, he said, God gave man a brain and a penis and only enough blood to control one at a time. Mm. I like that. And when it comes to your mental health and sex, you know, the, the one can block the other. So I, this is so, so yeah, this. yeah, no, this is so cool because you guys, I know you guys see a lot of erectile dysfunction and often in young men, right? In young men where yeah. you're looking and you're like, they do have the top three things. Their right. body is cooperating, right? Yeah. And so for all of you watching that are young and you're like, Man, my body works. <laughs> I'm by myself. I wake up raging hard on what is happening. And, you know, I always tell guys that the thing is the erection works on those top three from a structural level. Yeah. But what makes it really ride is the mental component. We need, we, I don't have a penis. You guys, <laughs> we, I'm going to say we, we need to tag something as hot 
to have an erotic response to right. it. And so it doesn't really matter how well the top three are flowing if you're not in the right headspace for a sustained amount of time, you will have an uncooperative erection. And this is really important for guys to understand, right? And so what often happens for the ones that come into your office and then you end up saying, I can give you a pill, you're very young, the pill will help. Right. But it's- It'll work, it'll work. It it'll will work. work. It's a band-aid. It'll increase blood flow, but yes, it's a band-aid. It's a band-aid. Yeah. And so here's why. I always say it's like the batter slump, right? That you have a guy yeah, yeah, who's yeah. a home run hitter. Yeah, get and, the ego back on yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. That's it. That for whatever reason, the wind blew in the wrong direction that day. Your dog barked. You just lost focus. You were tired. You were hungover. You were stressed. Whatever it is, your erection doesn't cooperate that day. And then what happens is this mental cycle starts where the next time you go to be with your partner, instead of letting the top three things take hold, right? Instead yeah. of your body working and your brain being like, this is what I do. All of a sudden now you're having this parallel dialogue of, oh shit, let me take a breath. Just relax. Am I going to get it up? I don't want what happened last time to happen again. And as soon as that's in play, you're out. You're, you're cooked, out. Man. You're cooked. Yes. And essentially, it kind of looks like a panic or an anxiety attack cycle, right. which looks very similar, right? You're trying to now avoid the past thing that happened. In this case, a failed direction. That sounds terrible, a failed direction. Uncooperative. So that's one of the <laughs> things that you, that you I, I'm sure you observe, that guys think about the past a lot, right? It's just like they kind of you know associate that one bad sexual episode and uh just kind of links with it and it just kind of stays moving forward right this is exactly what happens so think about right all of you guys watching think about when you are either pleasuring yourself or you're with a partner think about the things that that turn you on right big boobs long legs feet hair um, whatever whatever you like right everyone's got their own everyone thing. has their thing i still don't understand feet but that's just me listen justin is not a feet guy for the ladies hey, watching not a feet <laughs> so essentially we have these things that turn us on right yeah. and if you are not cueing in to what turns you on, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't matter how cooperative your body is being, you're almost off track because your erections don't run on this self-assessment. So when, mm -hmm. when was the last mm -hmm. time you jerked off thinking about, just relax, take a breath, is she gonna notice I'm not getting hard enough, right? This is not how you mm -hmm. train your brain to have an erotic response. Good point. So that's then- real, I love that you're, yeah, you're saying like, because guys, you know, will always get in their head during sex, Oh, does she like this? Is this okay? Am I doing it right? Am I hard you enough? You are thinking more you're, stuff. You are yeah. way thinking more stuff. But when you're when you're jerking off, everyone's like, just let's cute. go, baby. Yeah. Right. Let's, let's go, right? Let's go. Mine is much more simplified. Yeah. Yeah. And what happens to the erection? The erection's rock, much oh, more. Exactly. Rock in it. That's pretty good. You know? that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the erection's much more cooperative. Uh, and so think about almost like train tracks, yeah. right? If your erection runs on this side of the train, which is all the things that you like to think about, we know for Justin that's not feet, <laughs> but all the other things, right? And then if all of a sudden you go and you step up to bat because you're actually in vivo with a person and you're sort of running that train, but you're also then thinking about your performance, thinking about trying to avoid if there was a failed attempt, thinking about does she like it? Am I big enough? Yeah. Am I hard enough? Am I doing it well? All of a sudden your erection is going, hmm, I don't know what to do on this track. You haven't yeah. trained me for this track. I only know how to be over here. And so then all of a sudden, the erection starts. Yeah, that's and that's why the, the, you know, the Cialis or the Viagra helps because for guys, you know, they're like, oh, well, I got this backup, you know, in my back pocket. I'm going to rock it out because I know I, I took this medication. 
and I'm just going to enjoy myself now. And it's that reassurance that really gets them out of their head. But when we're talking... Well, I was going to ask you guys something. So do you think, and I feel like I sort of know the answer, but I think it's cool to talk about, can the pill or can the thoughts override the pill? So young guy takes the pill. We know it's going to do what it's designed to do. But if he still goes into that anxious pattern of thinking, what wins? I know tr- I know with an injection. That's a, that's a good mean. question. It's a good question. What do you think? I, I, have, an, I have an idea. We'll go ahead. You know, I think, I think in a young guy, I don't know, you can correct me wrong. I think in a young guy, when you take a pill, it's, it's going to be pretty forceful and it's going to get the blood flow in there. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't think the mind can take over. I, I think in general, it's enough that it will get, will, will get the job done. I think that there's probably a small amount of people that you would have to be like, I think, and things we were potentially going to talk about, like clinical depression, like clinical anxiety, like other things that are seriously something's going on. If you're on other medications, right, there are other ways in which the pill can't get you to that point that are associated with mental health, other aspects of your health. But I think to Kevin's point is, you know, if I see a guy and I'm sure he's the same way, if I see a guy and I give him Cialis and I went to, you know, a a higher dose of Cialis and he's still having an issue, I'm going to, I'm going to work him up very extensively because I want to make sure I'm not missing anything. There's a more medical reason. I'm thinking there's another medical reason because I would say, 99.9% 99.9% of people, you know, when we see with this issue, we give them the pill and I say, hey, listen, come back. and th-. We never even see them again. They don't call for refills. They just use it the one time. And they and get over. Mm-hmm. And they're back in. They don't even need it anymore. But they need it to just defeat that one little hump. Yep. So what do you no think? pun intended. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Well yeah. Said. So, I mean, I think a lot of these anxieties, obviously it's a one-off event for some of them, but... A lot of it can come from, you know, you really like someone, you're in a new relationship, and it's the first time you're going to have sex. Yes. And I think, because you're like, obviously, for a relationship, a new relationship, sex is incredibly important. And you're like, is this going to be the vibe? Like, are we going to vibe or are we not going to vibe? And, you know, the first time, if I'm not performing, like, is she not going to want to see me again? So, like... Usually we don't see guys for new relationships and I'm assuming that that would be something more often that you do see so for guys out there because I guarantee you especially now anxiety levels dating is harder than ever what advice do you have for guys who have that you know first experience jitters or anxiety that they're worried about their performance anxiety yep so two different things one i think that you have to and you guys have heard me talk about this in various degrees you have to have a fantasy bank that you can pull from in the moment Mm. so the things that you masturbate to a spank bank you heard it first from dr (laughs) dubin he's got an extensive one but i i i have no no doubt actually (laughs) but the thing about this is, is that is very, very closely aligned with your erections, right? Your fantasy bank is well established and your penis feels very comfortable with that set yes. of images and content. Mm-hmm. So if you start to feel like you can't pay attention to the person in front of you, right? Close your eyes for a few minutes while you're engaging with her, her, him, whatever kind of relationship you're in, and go to your bank of fantasies because your erection from a neurological level knows is connected to that content, Mm. right? And so it will help bring you back into the moment. And I do a lot of protocol with men where I will have them uh, essentially go through like training 
with their masturbatory practice where I'll have them masturbate mid-masturbation, lose the erection, have it come down to zero, think of something atrocious or unattractive or nervous, and then train themselves to bring themselves back up in a quick amount of time, right? Not dissimilar. Mental strength. That's exactly right. That is, but really and truly because they have to have a sense of knowing what to do because what happens with men in these moments is they get panicky. Oh shit, I don't know what to do. I feel it going away. What's going to happen? What is she thinking? What if I don't? And back to sort of what we were talking about a few minutes ago, as soon as you're in that space, it's like quicksand. You're drowning. The erection will never get stronger on the thoughts of, oh shit, just relax. Right? Because that's not hot. So for men to sort of very much have a quick place they can go to in their head. The other thing that I think men need to do, and particularly early in relationships, is you can slow down and take a minute. So I don't know why it it creates this panicky feeling in men when their erections are not coming fast enough or not maintaining fast enough, where they feel like, oh, I got to get it back right now. I got to get it back right now. You know, if you can keep the flow of like, this is how you can pull out, you can go to an alternative behavior, go back to kissing, go to performing something oral, go to self-pleasuring yourself while you're engaging her her, him. and you can slow down the process a second to get your mind back on track. I don't know why though, almost every man I ever speak to is like, they, it looks like this where they're like, they got to get it back immediately. So the other thing is just like, slow down, take a beat. You can, uh, no pun intended, right? <laughs> but you can sort of slow down and redirect the process and then come back to needing the erection. And that means even if you're penetrating and you feel it going away, pull out. Tell her, hold on, I'm not ready for this to end yet. Wait, you're turning me on so much. I just want to look at you, right? Like, keep the flow going. I think for a lot of men, they get either nervous or apologetic. I'm sorry. I don't, wait, just, I just need a minute. This never happened. And then you're out of the game. Then we've created a psychogenic problem right in that moment. I I don't know if it's just the guy, like just guys in general, but like, it's almost like the wheels are coming off and they get on this like, they're just like, yes, I'm falling. This it's happening. Yes. There's only one way that's going down. Yes. It's like the wheels are, and I always tell them like, just take a few breaths, redirect the wheel, like redirect it. And you can do it. I mean, if you're doing it from a place of composure, no one will even know, right? Like you can sort of redirect the interaction until you can get your your wherewithal again. Well, I, I think it's a really important point is in the moment, yes, but also that part of how you're reacting, the sorry. Mm-hmm. And right, we published on this, right? We published on this together. We surveyed women and how they yes. responded to guys losing their erections. Yep. And you know, we surveyed like 13,000 women and we found out guys that were putting blame on them for this or were like, you know, it decreased the satisfaction for the female partner, the mm-hmm. sexual engagement was less and they were more willing to end the relationship with their partner. So yep. how you react, put, blame in any way, blaming your partner obviously in a situation where they're not responsible yeah. is yeah. a problem. But um, blaming yourself, like we tend to do yeah. a lot of times, like most guys do, right. is just as Not bad. hot, it's just no. not hot. But That's if you're chilling and you're like, hey, like you said, like, hey, you know, it happened, it's down, but like, let's just keep going, doing other stuff. There's other things than just penetration. And that's a real key. 
that penetrative sex is not the only form of sex. Which and is what most guys will just correct. immediately yeah. think They, they want a beeline. They want yeah, a beeline yeah. to it, it and then if they can't do it, the wheels start coming off. Wheels coming off, and, yep. that, and then they're not having sex at that point, right? Right, right. 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 So. Versus pivoting, pivot, yeah. right? You just got to pivot, go to an alternative external behavior for a little bit until you can calm down, until you can get back into it free of all the self-assessment dialogue in your head. And your, your erection will cooperate yeah. again. And if you want to talk about like being a smooth dude, like that's a guy who you're like, oh shit, this guy, like it's probably attractive. Like shit happens. Like girls, you know, understand, like we're all human. Yep. Yep. Things happen. No one's perfect. But if you're like, ah, oh, you know what? Let's just keep going, man. It's nothing about you. Let's just, I can get you off too. Like that's hot. hot. Agreed. That's hot. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. And it shows agency. It shows control. It shows, it shows comfort in your own body. No, I think that's always that should always be the route. And for men in new relationships, that's how they should go into it. We kind of talked about it on another episode when we were talking about porn. But I feel like guys really just, you know, we see, you know, see what's done in porn. And you're like, that's how sex is, right? That's how the guy's erection should be. Yep. And so um, I think uh, guys just need to know that's not the that's not the norm. No. Right? And, uh, you know, your mind in itself plays a lot in the process. And Huge. it's important. It's not just the biology of it. The whole psychosocial aspect of it is uh, super important. Um, let's take a little misdirection. Let's go and talk about depression. Oh. Right? Depression and anxiety in general have really increased since the COVID pandemic. Right? And it's a lot of patients that Justin and I are seeing. A huge amount. And uh, we know that can kind of compromise your sex life. Yep. So, have you seen an increase in patients with these issues and what ways can we counsel with these guys? Yep. So I have seen uh, an uptick in depression and anxiety, a lot of times financially driven and or just sort of the solitude yeah. of being by themselves or being quarantined took a hit for them, either individually or if they're in a relationship. So I feel like from the front line um, of the MD side, it's the assessment and permission, right? Like just the quick one-liner, hey, moods, how are they doing? You know, yeah. they can really affect sexual functioning. Like it is well documented that depression and anxiety do not uh, sort of robust sex life yeah. make. So just the quick assessment and then the permission to go talk about it. Like, have you thought about checking in with someone? It doesn't need to be long-term. It doesn't mean that something is totally broken or wrong may just be helpful to sort of reorganize your thoughts. So yes, I'm seeing it with men. I'm also seeing, this is a conversation for another day, but I saw a lot of uptick in delayed ejaculation. And I think that was because of the- We'll have to have taking, a whole wow. talk about yes. that. That's yes, because yes. of the pornography, because right. of staying home and the higher level of just, porn. Uh, yep. Rocking it out. But <laughs> me, yeah, just, <laughs> you guys were rocking it out in the pandemic. Too well. But I think the big, <laughs> The big take home here, I think, is that mental health plays a part in sexual functioning yes. and in sexual desire. And this is one that I think men need to make the connection that if you're not feeling good about yourself, either because of professional reasons, physiological reasons, relational reasons, you can expect to see a decrease in your desire, right? And so there is there is a correlation between depression, erectile function, desire, libido. We see it. Well, how if, if you don't feel desirable, how the hell are you going to do anything with anyone like if you feel like crap like yep. it just makes sense yeah and you right? can't bring your a game and you can't sort of get out of your head and you don't want to give of yourself and right. you don't want to be present to someone else so i i mean i really have seen a deterioration in males with depression or just or low level mood right where there's been a mood shift and for those that are in heterosexual relationships um you know a woman needs to feel connected to her partner in order to want sex and I'm making a generalization here, but as a broad stroke, right? 
Get with the pun. A woman, <laughs> a woman right, I'm, I'm, I'm on today. But um, where I'm going with this is if you are struggling with some sort of depression, inevitably it is harder to connect with your partner. And so then we're in this really weird loop where you're isolating or you're um, creating a disconnect from your partner. You are having a low libido cycle mm-hmm. and it can really take a toll on the relationship rebounding. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. And, you know, I think just to take it to this desire aspect, we were gonna, we, we talked about a new relationship, but one thing that we see in a lot of older people, not necessarily older people, but people who have been in a long relationship, yep. whether they're married or just been in a couple's yep. relationship for a while, is this change in desire for your partner. Mm. And that's a big thing, you know, and unfortunately people get older and bodies change and things like that. So what do you have, what, what do you do or how do you guide people who, you know, they love their partner, yep. but they just don't have that sexual attraction yep. anymore? So there are a lot of roads into this conversation, right? And one of them is, is kind of the controversial one, which is the longer you're with someone, do you let yourself go? Do you make a concerted effort right. to stay attractive mm-hmm. for your partner, right? And again, I'm making generalizations, generalizations but... I hear a lot of men that will complain about their their wife or long term girlfriend that the body is not as in shape or there is. Of course, these guys are fat as hell. Most. I mean, whatever. Saying, it is. A lot of times. Hey. But that's. I'm just, I'm just putting it both ways. Yeah. Right? Good, good. You represent. Just being fair. Just but being fair. but the idea that the person that they originally started the sexual relationship with that the physiology has changed in them and they have not grown. So there, that's one piece of it. I also think that we have to have realistic expectations, right? right? The neurochemistry early on in a relationship is not sustainable. We can't keep that level of novelty and excitement. That honeymoon phase can't go on forever. It cannot. And so knowing that, I think positions people, like if you know it and you accept it, then you have to adjust your metric. For people that go on to have children, right? Children creates beautiful, beautiful relationship in many other regards. Not a great sex life, right? Kids are not great for the sex life. So this is another factor. Don't have a kid to increase your sex life. Do not have a kid to increase your sex life at all. At all. (laughs) At all. But this is one of the most important things relative to this. If we're talking about men in heterosexual long-term relationships, one of the biggest things I talk to men about is find out how your partner ticks. Because a lot of times I will hear men be like, I'm just not as into them. And I'm thinking, are you doing the work to incentivize her to show up as a better lover too, right? I'll hear things like, no, she's just, but you know, women need that emotional connection. Women need to feel like you're supporting them in the household tasks. Women need to feel comfortable in their own body. Women need to feel like the stress levels are low to avail themselves. And so a lot of times it's, it's getting men to think about is your job or is, one of the ways to more effective sex in long-term relationships. Learn your partner better. Figure out what makes them tick and sort of tee them up to be more desirable to you. Does that make sense? So, yeah. I'm, I'm taking those yeah. right now. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I mean, you're married with kids. Yeah. yeah. But it's important. And it, it is interesting because, like, in many ways, you're asking people to evaluate themselves to make sure that, 
you know, it's two way. It's they're doing it's their part. That's right? it. Like, that they're doing their you know, part. Like maybe you're not being the most desirable partner. That that better said than how I just did it. That you need to check in that you're being the most desirable partner. I also think in long-term relationships as desires meaning you need to be more deliberate about creating opportunities, right? So in those early parts of a relationship, it's so effortless and it's so fun yeah. and it's just flowing. And then as life marches forward, less so. And you are more things to each other than just a sexual partner. And right. that becomes hard also. So if you think about like when you're first dating someone, your flirty partners and your sexual partners, maybe a little bit of friendship in there too. But as life marches forward, now you pay your taxes yeah. together, your co-parents, <laughs> you clean each other. Like there's so much that, that you relate in so many other ways that aren't sexual that it decreases desire. You look almost sad as I'm saying this, Kevin. I, Am I? Am I? <laughs> 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 Look, it's silent, no, guys. No, no, no. I, I, I think what I'm thinking about is that guys just need to understand. I think it's tough. I'll, this is a generalization, sure. but guys just tend to not want to look at themselves sure. and evaluate, right? Oh, 100%. That's why we it, do this podcast. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like, you know, if my penis isn't working, there's probably something going on with, you know, my partner. Yep. You know? And, uh, and I think that's what's really important during this conversation, that guys need to understand, yo, look, it's okay to look inside, look at ourselves, and it's totally fine. Yep. And we can do something about it, you know? Yes. And, and I guess my question is, how else can we have these people spice it up and keep it interesting? Because obviously you said there are some approaches and you Feet. probably need <laughs> you need to you know you need to change it up so what recommendations do you have for people whether it's making once a month a date or something like that yep going on a trip or... yep all of the above i'm a big fan of scheduling i think sex should make not necessarily as the only model but as at least anchor okay moments in a relationship so long-term cohabitating relationship i actually recommend couples schedule at least once a week just having it as an anchor space where they show up, whether that's penetrative sex, whether that's oral sex, whether uh -huh. that's mutual. But you don't think that takes away from it being like, well, you know, it's seven p.m. Like we got. Isn't like, it like the spontaneity? Yeah. Right? People like, like try to like run back to the spontaneity, yeah. but that can be tough. Right. Yeah. And but and the other thing is like we tell patients for having kids scheduled sex, but that's a little different, yep. right? Because we're yeah. talking about they have a goal. Ovulation and sex. And, yes. and like and that can actually cause ED. Yeah, that can cause ED because of exactly that. And delayed ejaculation. Why? Because it's is putting maybe a little yeah. stress. So how do you not make that? Because that's like, I was like, oh, well, it's Thursday. So I'm going to be like, how do you make sure? Like, you want to hear my pitch to yeah. couples? Because yeah. you're giving me the classic male. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is an exact response. This is literally like he gave it to me. So here's my pitch to couples. If you think about early dating and you think about affairs, which are two of the highest rated sort of mm -hmm. sexual satisfaction constructs. Right. They're scheduled. We don't call it scheduled sex. We call it you're meeting with your lover or we're dating. But you know the nights that you're going to go out to dinner. and Interesting. And what's yeah. going to happen. And I'll tell you, girls, they shave their legs. They put on matching bra and panties. They get excited. They put their makeup on, yeah. listening to music. I don't know what you guys, I don't know what the guys, guys they pop their Viagra. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. They make sure they're. And listen to music. They look in the, in the mirror. Like... That's right. But everyone sort of knows what's going to take their place. Sure. Look, that's what Justin does. Um, but 
everyone sort of knows in that space what's yeah. going to take place, but we don't call it scheduled sex. We call it dating, and it's all oh, so that's, hot. That's a fantastic point. Never and thought same about that way. with affairs, yeah. which, yeah. again, I don't want to make infidelity sort of a gold standard. I just want to isolate that people in yeah. active affairs report high-level sexual satisfaction. It's because everyone is in the same headspace, right? You know when you're right. going to meet your lover. You have a time carved out. And so when I sort of say scheduled for people, I don't necessarily mean like the Apple Watch dings at 7 p.m. I mean more like, hey, Thursday night. And it becomes more... Date night. Date night. But it becomes more functional for people that have kids, like work together to get the kids down earlier. Uh, yeah. Make your com- that makes sense. Make your conference calls earlier or don't schedule any that day. Make sure that the laundry is done or the dish, you know, whatever you need to do to sort of show up prepared and ready so that it's exciting and that you guys are present. This is where the scheduled piece can come in. And like the other way I ask people to think about it is, you know how, um, instead of the classic way that you ex- you received it, like for real. Um, <laughs> like the way you schedule dinner reservations at your favorite restaurant and you don't eat a big lunch that day and you might look at the menu to see like what you're gonna eat, right, like yeah. you vibe on it. Like that, where you're like, this is my, yeah. this is our moment. So this I think is a very important piece. So it's like a concerted effort on both parties to basically show up in that Put an effort into this. And I will tell you, research shows that spontaneous mutual desire in long-term cohabitating couples is actually very hard to achieve. It sounds, it sounds like it, that makes sense. So this eliminates that major inhibitor, right? Mm. By sort of saying yeah. one of us doesn't need to just be ready at all times. And if we go back to what we're really talking about, right, which is erectile functioning or male functioning, this also gives men the opportunity to get their head in the game in whatever that means. And you said, well, maybe they feel pressure. Maybe, but it also allows them to not be caught off guard. So this is one of the things I recommend. It's all framing. It's all how how you perceive it. Yes. It's it's, it's an opportunity if you decide to make it that way. Correct. So this is one of the things I ask long-term couples to do to increase this desire piece. Um, Changing locations, even as simple as going from the bed to the couch, but really trying to create almost like um, just a quick disruption in the expectation that you're like, Mm. okay, here we go. Same side of the bed, (laughs) same ever. You know, people in long-term, you know, you have like your routine. Um, (laughs) Kevin's laughing because he Uh, really knows. (laughs) Um, And then uh, also to not always land in penetration. Right? So a lot of times cohabitating couples that are busy, that are in the middle of raising kids, working, they know how to get each other off and it becomes very like one, two, three, four. And then, you know, they have their shtick, like everything else. You have your kind of routine. So interrupting that routine and creating a little like, oh, what's what's happening here um, is another way to see desire increase. I love, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm taking tips for later. All right, me, there. But <laughs> no, that's great. And I think that's such an important topic that I really don't think people address enough in general, right? right? Because like a lot of these guys have ED not because they can't get it up, because, you know, the relationships can get stale yep. for better or worse, right? I don't know if it's, that's the no, right that word. No, that is, is the, that right. the right word. Yes, yes. I want to say one other thing that I think you're neighboring up to, which is yeah. really important. Couples don't communicate about sex enough in the positive all the way through. So here's sort of the communication trajectory of a relationship, right? Everyone gets together and like you have your sex and you're like, oh, that was so good. Oh, that was amazing. You're amazing. You're amazing. And right, like everyone's amazing. They're high-fiving in the beginning and oh, I've never felt that. Okay. And everyone walks out saying, oh, I'm so amazing. (laughs) And then 
And then life levels out. They go on. They get married. They have kids. Oh, okay. And no one, then no one really talks about it, right? Yeah. We were amazing. That's why we ended up together. Yeah. And then what happens is it just becomes sort of silent, right? Like just it's just the thing we don't talk about, but we do. But we do. Until there's a decline in functioning. And now what happens is there's no model to circle back and talk about anything because we haven't really talked about like, hey, am I still meeting your needs? Hey, are things good? Do you want to try anything? Like just- It's just the routine. Ju- it, and so it goes from like this super high five, high five to people get silent when it starts to decline. And then the communication really doesn't start again until there's a big problem, mm-hmm. right? And now they're communicating from a deficit. Now it's uh. what's wrong. And so everyone feels very prickly. So I think one of the other things that couples should do is communicate all the way through about sex even if it's neutral like hey are you are you getting everything you want was that still good do you want me to try something else i know we're in our routine is it still working like i've heard so many women that will be like yeah, no it's fine it's fine i don't know how but to it's tell- fine good well, it's fine. It, just is like, please. I'm trying to tell this right? Like, like if I'm a guy and I'm like, how, how like, and I'm trying to come in and you're like, it was fine. Like, am I like, oh shit, that's terrible. Like, I got to no, do better. Or but like, I think in long-term relationships, if someone's like, it's fine, but it could be different sometimes, but I don't know how to bring it up. That's not great, right? right. You want to be able to say like, yes, I love this thing we've been doing for the past 10 years. And... Maybe we could also add something to it, but people don't, you know, I hear couples that they'll, they'll make a request and then the other one gets defensive because they're like, what, you don't like that? And she's like, no, no, I, I do. I just, it's fine. Right. And so fine is good, but I don't know that it should be our, do you want to be no, fine? That's as the my goals? point. I don't right. like if I, if someone want to be great, you know, right. yeah, like, you want to be amazing. Right. Right. If someone's like, I'm fine. I'm like, I don't really know if you're I, actually good. Right. You're right, actually right. good. You know, you know, it comes to the point though. It's really fascinating mm. when it comes to like, I don't want to say criticism or just like feedback on sex. Why, you know, it must be like innate for people just kind of like take it personally. And you know, it's when it should point. be a little bit more of a communication, like, no, this is kind of what does it for me. And, you know, that's just a way of communicating. I'm not criticizing yep. or, you know. I can say with almost like 100% certainty, I think sexual feedback is the place where people are the most vulnerable. Mm. The most vulnerable. And it's because we feel exposed. It's private. Yeah. It's very performative. And so the sexual feedback comes more heavily weighted for whatever reason because of the vulnerability attached to it than I think almost any other kind of feedback we receive. I see it even when I work with couples. Like I can see when one of them is starting to sort of say something wasn't good, the breath smelled or the technique was off. You can see, I mean, it's therapy and it's a safe space and I have no judgment, but you can almost see the other one like brimming with embarrassment and yeah. defensiveness. It's a very vulnerable space for all of us. For all of us. Think Everybody, about it. Yeah. I mean, no, no, I, for all human. of us, you're, right? You're human. Women are worried they smell, that they look fat, that they're yeah. not doing a good job. Men are worried that their penises are hard enough, big enough, that they're delivering pleasure, that they're finding the clitoris. Find the clitoris. You know? Um, yes, it's a very vulnerable space. Well, then, you know, to follow up on that, when's the best time to give that advice or give that criticism? Is it... In the middle, right? Right, like in the middle, middle. never, never in the middle, never. But even if it's like positively reinforced, like obviously positive reinforcement, but it's like, oh, this feels great, but maybe you can try going this way during this session, or just in general, you're just like, you do your thing, 
you talk like how you normally do and then you kind of have like a debrief and you debrief then. So I, I think that when we try in the moment to give feedback that isn't affirmative, it shuts the whole process right. down and then people get in their head. I mean, think about the oh, top yeah. end of this this discussion, right? Wheels run off. Then. That, yeah. That's it. Yeah. And so really what it needs to look like is in neutrality. Like, you know, the next day or later that night where you're like, hey, you know that thing that we did? I was thinking about it and... I'm like, I don't know if it's for me, right? Like, I was all right. And I think the more straightforward we can be, the easier it is to digest. So the worst thing you can do is over cue it, right? Like, no offense, you know, when someone's like, no offense, <laughs> like but... Right, yeah, and it, yeah, makes, yeah. it makes it worse. Yeah. It makes it worse. You're almost better to just sort of directly be like, so much of what we do is really good. This thing, like, I just, I'm just not that into it. And, and to own it on yourself. As it relates to wanting more of something, I think that people are, we all want to do a good job, right? Everyone wants right. to be a good lover. And so the gentle redirection in the affirmative is always well received. So if someone is doing something that you like, the best thing you can do in the moment is to be very affirmative about it, right? Whether that's moans, whether that's body arches, whether that's, you know, more, oh my God, yes, faster, yeah. you know, and and in those ways, I think people will circle back. I mean, you got, think about this as I'm talking. Yeah. If you know that your partner's responding to something a certain way, right? You're circling back to that move. Oh, yeah. Million Again, and that million. becomes... Oh, that's, that's working. That's guys, working. Guys are simple. You know, it's like, oh, it's working. <laughs> yeah, I'm going like, back. Yeah, I figured it out. I figured it out. <laughs> right. I'm going... That's part of my repertoire with this yeah. person now. So pay attention to what they like, right? And yeah. that should be sort of the, the way in. That's great. Um, I really think, you know, a lot of the things we talked about today is inherently part because guys don't want to talk about these things and they struggle talking about us. They already struggled to talk about it with us, Absolutely. which is why we created this podcast yep. in right. general. But I think it's even more almost problematic for guys in, in their brain to see a therapist totally. or a sex therapist. Absolutely. Like so like what message can you give guys out there to a talk about their sexual health with their doctors and even their therapists? Yep. How, what, what, how do they do that? Oh, this is very interesting because yeah, I knew you were going to ask it. You know, I work with a lot of athletes and one, I, was, I have one in mind that I'm thinking of. Um, and he had said to me relative to therapy, he used to sit in my waiting room and he was a public figure, right? And so very yeah. recognizable. And I used to try and get him in very quickly, yeah. right? And I was running late one time in the waiting room and I, I was so apologetic. I was like, I am so sorry. And uh, he walked in, he's a huge guy. And he said, I have no embarrassment. He said, the same way that I have to go to the gym and try, train and the same way that I go to my doctor for a checkup, this is mental training for me. Yeah. I'm trying to get amazing. sharper. I'm trying awareness. to get more focused and I have no shame in it. And I think that the mental health stigma is really sort of a carryover from yesteryear, right? From the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, where it was like, oh, your one flew over the cuckoo's nest type of deal. And I loved his take because he's like, this is just training. Like, I'm just training my my brain yeah. in the same way that I'm training the rest of my body. And so I think the destigmatization is to neutralize it, right? Yeah. The other piece that I, I guess with many more than women is to let them know this doesn't need to be a long-term thing and it doesn't mean something's wrong with you, right? right. Yeah. You might right. be able to go in, have one or two discussions that you're not having with anyone else on the planet with someone that has no skin in the game yep. that may be able to redirect you a little bit 
And then you go off on your way, right? And so I think this idea of destigmatizing and neutralizing it and thinking of it more as like just training ground instead of this big mental health model that you're going to then get sucked into because you're broken and something's wrong is, is the way to go about it. You know, I, patients that come into the office, young guys, and they sit there and they're, they're like looking at me. I'm like, look, look, at the end of the day, I can offer you a pill to kind of help out, but... You know, there are people in this world that can really help from the mental aspect yeah. of it. And they just, you know, when they find out about this, they're like, oh, like this, this is something that I can go do and something that is going to really benefit me. Um, and so I think it's great that, you know, our listeners are going to be able to really know that this is available out there. Yeah, I think the interesting thing is when we, when we kind of bring it all full circle, we started off talking about the pill as a way to help you. And you don't, you know, we, we said people take it once and they're gone. And you kind of said, like, the, the thing is, the pill can help get you to a point. Sometimes it's a band-aid for a lot of things. But you can use a therapist. Like you said, you don't have to go a million times. No. If you go once or twice, you don't need a pill. You just go talk to someone. No. And then you never have that issue again. Or it can rewire it so you don't have to worry about taking a pill. So there's, like, it could be kind of a short Short term, it often is. I want to say one other thing relative to this idea of why why it may make sense to go into therapy, right? Is because by the time there's been a sexual interruption, often it's affected the relationship too. And so, you know, I see a lot of people where there was erectile uh, dysfunction. Sure, they've managed that through a pill. But now she feels like she's internalized it. Or they've had a disconnect. Or like we were talking about ovulation sex, right? When people have um, erectile dysfunction or uh, delayed ejaculation during trying to get pregnant. Right? So like, great, we can get the physiology back up and running. But you might have to manage the collateral damage. Right. And so that's another... Well, not only that, it's, it's a symptom of... It could yes. potentially be a symptom of a relationship totally. issue or some other issue that a pill will not fix. A yep. pill's not going to fix your relationship if there's something else going on that's, that's not exactly making right. you get interrupted. So it, it offers just a more holistic model, right? And again, like the athlete that I'm thinking of said, I, it's training for the brain, which I thought was a great yeah. way to look at and it. And I think it's great because you're talking about... Uh, athlete who is the peak of masculinity and this guy's come in (laughs) no problem right it's the most masculine thing to be comfortable and figure out what's wrong and to get help yep 100% yeah Uh, any other questions no I think this was a fantastic conversation any other final tips comments questions or not whatever you gotta say I might have questions tips and Um, no, I love you guys. It's always such a pleasure when we get to sit down and talk about all of this stuff. And I love the intersection. Even of, better now. It's so much better. Yeah. It's, so it's so nice. Better. It's, it's so, much so nice for us all to be together. So much better. No, 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 no. So nice. So um, thank you. Thank you for having course. me on, as well, always. Tell us where everyone can find you, how they can connect with you. Yep. The easiest way is either through social media, Dr. Lisa Paz over Instagram or DrLisaPaz.com. And you can find all my contact And, and she's info. amazing. And you, you. you take patients from not only Florida? Correct, or? correct. So no, I, I, yes, I do telehealth. I do telehealth. So, so right you can access me even if you are not within my immediate vicinity. Right. She's Absolutely. in Miami, South Florida, but you can access her. Yep, telehealth and is an amazing. amazing, amazing thing, especially for mental health field. So Yes, yep. absolutely. So you have access to Dr. Paz wherever you may be. That is Thanks again. Um, let's just wrap this up. Thanks again to our listeners, as always, for listening. You can listen to this podcast and any of our other episodes on any podcasting platform, iTunes, Spotify, all the other ones, download, subscribe, give us a review, five stars. 
Um, you can follow us any podcasting uh, on on any. Uh, so, I'm sorry, the dogs here. I love the dog. Um, you can follow us on any all social media at the Man Up Pod on TikTok, Instagram, um, as well as Twitter and uh, YouTube as well. We always appreciate you watching on YouTube. We are recording this for, for that purpose. And where else? What's our website? www.themanuppod.com. Uh, www.themanuppod.com. All right, for us three. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Have a good one. Bye, guys. Bye.